Hey guys, and welcome to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Surprised myself with how high, how high my voice was at the start of that. Um, I'm your host, Erin. Um, ple- pleased to be here today with the fantastic Anna Grindrod Feeney. Say hey. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Uh, very excited. Uh, Anna is a writer, tarot reader, and witch living in New York City with her black cat faithful, you know the one. Uh, when she's not recording podcasts or slinging cards, she can be found embracing her inner rose thorn by tending to her houseplants and feeding the local starlings. Uh, she also has a Twitter and Instagram at Anna Lionhearted dot, or just at Anna Lionhearted. Uh, you know, doing doing well with this introduction thing. Um, Anna is also, in terms of podcasting, she is um, she's she, one of the co-hosts for the Circle of Friendship podcast, which is a podcast about the magic of friendship as told by Tamora Pierce's Circle of Magic series. So yeah. that's 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 really awesome. Like, how did you even decide to set that up? So. Everything in my bio is a reference to that, which I realize is wildly unhelpful out of context where I'm like, you know, Faithful, you know, Rose Thorn. Like, no, those are all Tamara Pierce references. Okay. So when I put them up on, um, on certain POV, I was like, oh, no one's going to get this. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, I think so, I wish I had read the Tamara Pierce series. Unfortunately, I haven't. Totally fair. They're kind of yeah. like niche feminist fantasy, like really highly recommend them. I mean, they've got yeah. some, I mean, they've got some dated bits, but overall really high quality series. Mm-hmm. Um, so MJ and I, my co-host actually became friends over Tamara Pierce. When I moved out I here, that. I started doing stage combat and I started doing like hanging out at the now defunct way station, RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met there and she was like, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Alana from this Tamara Pierce book, who is a ginger lady night basically Mm -hmm. and faithful is her cat that's why i have a black cat named faithful um and i was like oh my god best compliment i've ever gotten i love alana (laughs) so we would like we taught we bonded over tamara pierce we became friends and um at a certain point we started talking about how much we didn't like the audiobooks for circle of magic which is Mm. one of her second her other series um just like couldn't get into the narration, didn't really feel it. Um, no offense to the narrator. And we started talking about maybe just like doing for fun, like an audiobook of our own or like a dramatic reading, which eventually morphed into this podcast where we don't actually read it on the air. We don't do any voices for it, but we do summarize it chapter by chapter and go through. We're currently in book three, which is called Daja's book. It's about these four kids who have some form of ambient magic or magic that expresses itself through craftsmanship of some kind. Um, so there's a weather witch, there's a, a stitch witch who does like embroidery and, and spinning and things like that. No weaving, um, a plant mage and a, met- a metalsmith, a blacksmith. Um, and those are the four main characters. And so the first book series follows their growth, their discovery of their magic and their growth. And then there's a second book series that we're going to get into where they all kind of split up and go their separate ways and and learn to kind of be more adult and on their own. And then there's one where they, like a singular, single standalone book where they all come back together and kind of have this moment of reckoning that anyone who's grown up and like been apart from their friends and family and then come back will recognize where they're like not fitting together anymore. And it's Mm -hmm. a very, very cool book as they deal with, you know, whatever else is going on in the book. 
And then a couple others that are like thrown in there in between books. So we're going through all of them. We're currently in the first series where they're all kids and... um, Sure. This sounds exactly like a kind of book that I would love. So I'm kind of surprised I haven't read it yet. Did you discover this book? Now I'm curious. Did you discover this book when you were like a kid, when you were younger? Yeah. So... I actually discovered the Alana series first. She has, like, two worlds. There's, like, Tortal, right. which is these, like, knights and very high fantasy. And then she has Emelon, which is the one we're doing currently, mm-hmm. which is more, like, what if magic was, like, more every every day and it expressed itself through things that are really magical in real life. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine, like, one of my best friends, was like, you have to read this series. You have to read this series. And we were at my my church at the time and which was across the street from a library and we were like you know what yeah. we're just going to go over to the library and we're going to check these out right now as, um, as teenagers as, as like 10 11 ish i would okay. say yeah. yeah and then i just really fell in love with her stuff and kept reading them i think when i started the circle of magic series had like just finished coming out and so mm-hmm. i was reading along with the second series the circle opens as it came out yeah so they're very involved and like yeah. very um, they all kind of follow one after the other. Some series follow, like, multiple series following the same characters. Some mm-hmm. are following characters who are sort of, like, friends with or walking in the footsteps of priv- previous yeah. characters. Um, yeah, and I just kept along with them. You just kept going. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, you know, went to some book signings, like, saw her speak, kept reading them. Wasn't a fan of her most recent book, I have to say, but it's the only time that I haven't – I just felt like it needed a few more – it's like almost there few a few more passes with an editor you know you know it, it happens sometimes like right and she's got like 30 books so like that's a good track oh my god yeah. like, like, or like 20 something like one yeah. book out of all of those that i'm like eh, about oh my god fine. still a majority so yeah definitely, you're definitely doing fine i feel like most people who are like book lovers and love fantasy have that one series growing up that like was their series like was this it for you were there other ones yeah i mean so I was a huge into fantasy and my parents bought me like everything that Mm -hmm. they heard that people liked. And I was in middle school. I was huge into Lord of the Rings. Like that was when I, the movies came out and I like read all the books and, and I'd read like the Hobbit when I was a kid, but I read all the books and was Mm -hmm. really into Lord of the Rings and the movies and how they made them, which is one of the things that got me more into acting and everything later on. Fantastic. Um, But like earlier on, I'd say it was like Redwall and stuff. And then this was like my like solid, like, End of end of elementary school through middle school, high school, as her books kept coming out, she was definitely one of my great literary loves, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Cool. And she's just kept putting out books. Like one book came out mm-hmm. right when I moved to New York. And it happens to be the one that like like rips it like rips your heart out. I was so upset. I was like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm feeling lonely. I just yeah. moved here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read the new Tamara Pierce book. This is a really good idea. And it was like the last book in a series, and it oh. had like this like just this gut punch in it that some people have like not touched it since it's a great book. It's a great book, but it was a really masterfully written, just like kind of messes you up. And, um, and I like finished it. I was like alone in the studio where I was Mm -hmm. staying and I threw it across the room and I was like, why would you do that to me? This is, (laughs) how could you? I thought I was getting comfort when I was like lonely in a new city. And instead I'm like crying over the traumatized. My goodness. But She's very like, good it, at that. It did help you, like, make friends, though. I mean, oh, I yeah. Have, like, this podcast that's been going on for, for, for how long? A year now. A year. year. Yeah, we are yeah. in our second year. It's currently the earlier books book series is kind of short. They're, mm-hmm. they're like, 13 chapters. Um, so we've hit 
basically two books a year at this point. That's um, pretty consistent. That's pretty solid. Yeah. And then we'll see how long it stretches as we get into like, she got, as yeah. she got bigger, she stopped being limited by her publishers on what she was allowed, like what her page limit was going to mm-hmm. be and what was like, what she could write for, for young adults and young readers. Right. And she got to get more expansive. So so when you like write, do you do you use like Tamora Pierce as like your inspiration also? I would say that like even if I'm not consciously using her as my inspiration, she's one of the authors whose writing style has really spoke like resonated with me over the years. Mm-hmm. And um and is someone that I just kind of naturally I mean I mean at this point, like naturally emulate. She's like I've been reading her since I was like ten. So yeah. I don't think I could distinguish my writing voice from like what's been influenced by her if I wanted sure. to. Yeah. Um, and her, her and her style has just always been something that spoke to me. So I don't particularly try and wi- write YA, but mm. I, you know, I think that I just naturally probably channel a little bit of her, of yeah. what I've taken from her. But you write fantasy, so. Yeah, I'm currently working very slowly, not, haven't gotten like anything done during pandemic on a novel That's for my own for my own sake, yeah, it was more this story was stuck in my head and I needed to like finally mm-hmm. figure it out and get it on paper because it's been like a seed of an idea that started when I was a teenager and then went through many, many, many changes into yeah. what it is now and suddenly like clicked and I was like, okay, now I, now I know. Now yeah. I know what I'm doing with this. So That's really cool. It's really striking me just listening to you talk about all of this like love for writing and for Tamora Pierce and fantasy that it really like what you read as a kid really affects like kind of it can affect like what you love now oh yeah you know what I mean like I um I mean god I was also an aggressive reader of fantasy when I was younger I was reading <laughs> things like uh the um Scott Westerfeld's like pretties trilogy man okay. that, like, yeah was really really cool and then there was Redwall and the Golden Compass and- oh, I love the Golden Compass that's like our apartment book yeah. series like yeah. my my roommate and I are both just like waiting on the next one (laughs) oh man yeah it's been a while it's been a long time since i've read those but i still remember them as being like just so cool they Uh, hold up even like from a social justice standpoint which is not something i would expect coming from like this crotchety old white dude professor in you know england but he's he's pretty he's pretty on top of stuff like he has some stuff that's kind of like anti-cultural appropriation like all the stuff that we're talking about now for the most part his have been one of the only series where I haven't looked back and been like, oh, but that one thing, you know. I know, I know. It breaks my heart, honestly, how people keep kind of pointing out to me things about the yeah. Harry Potter series. That are, oh, that's a big one. I can't. It's it's not aging as well as I wanted it to. No. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just disappointing. I like, I've come across a term recently that like, um, or a term in my own language recently where I watched stuff that was that like movies or television that were made in like the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. I find myself saying, this is a story that is trapped in the 2000s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. It's some of like the jokes or the things that people say, it's just, it's so trapped in those, in that mindset. And it's just, it's like unfortunate to kind of realize that that is the way that they could, that they have gone before. Yeah. Um, but it's also inspiring because then like you think about the fact that the people were like, Oh, well this could be better. And then yeah. That is one of the reasons that I like doing the podcast about the Emelon series for Tamara Pierce, because one, Mm -hmm. her big downfall in my opinion 
is her romances. And I love, like, mm. I love all the romantic leads. I grew up with them and they, they matter yeah, a lot, yeah, but yeah. a lot of the stuff, especially because she started, her, her first book was published in like 1989. So it's as old as I am. Mm. A lot of her stuff is like, Oh, when you look, it's like that rom-com thing where you look at it and you go, that's not really cool behavior for someone that you like, you know? Yeah. And there's some like weird age gaps and just like stuff like that in there oh, that I think boy. she would do differently if she was writing them, if she was writing them now, but yeah. Um, just like, you know, you reread it and you go, oh, oh, I like you, but oh, I just, right. and, and the nice thing about Emelon is that because there was no focus on that, mm-hmm. um, and because the focus was on, on social justice issues, because a lot of them have like trauma and poverty and racism and things to contend with. And because it was just about this friendship and, and how these, these children like grew together. I think mm-hmm. she wrote this series because one, she really thought making things was magical and two she'd read somewhere that most books have a ratio of three men to one woman so she wrote a book series where there were three girls and a boy oh Um, i like that i like that yeah as the main characters and and it's just about like how much like there's no romance between them they're all just like this tight-knit like found family and it really holds up well as a result and so it's been nice to do the podcast on that where i don't have to constantly say now you know this is written in whenever and we love Tamara Pierce but this thing is maybe not so great which is a big yeah. conversation that happens on her fan groups a lot so sure, some people yeah. some people defend it to the death and other people are like it's too much for me I can't even like enjoy it anymore and some people are like I fall somewhere in between where I'm like you know your faves are problematic like that's just <laughs> how it is yeah no I mean it, it really it really makes you think about the idea of like we're all kind of growing up a little bit and these stories as much as they are they're not growing up with us in the same way as like maybe they were when the books were still coming out yeah like they're only growing up with us so far as we are holding on to them Mm -hmm. Um, yeah absolutely so it's very um yeah it's it's one of those things where you can where where that's one thing you have to contend with when you look back yeah, at your favorite sure. authors and your favorite shows <laughs> and your favorite music and all of that and even stuff coming out now, but ideally yeah. people are changing. Yeah, you somewhat. know, sure. Maybe in a, you know maybe in a couple of de- decades, if you know, once we get move forward as time. Oh goes, yeah. Well, well, maybe in the future I'll be saying things like, "Oh wow, this story is so trapped in the 20s. Yeah, you know, like maybe I'm sure. Be, yeah. Well, I, I applaud you for um, looking back on um, something that you love and talking about it all the time. That's really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. It's I, I, I would not have kept up with it if not for MJ. Like she mm-hmm. is, she's the mastermind of like, she runs like three podcasts. And so she's allowed me to Dang, like grow yeah. into podcasting to the point where I like now have a second idea for something I want to do and things that I would do on my own. Yeah. Whereas otherwise I would probably have just like had the idea and it would have passed and I wouldn't know what to do with it. And I wouldn't have the resources. She's been so good at like starting out running everything and I just show up and talk about the books and then little (laughs) by little, like I've learned editing and I've started posting about that, you know, like it's coming together in a nice um, learning curve for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having a a partner in crime to do stuff like is always helpful. absolutely yeah i hear that well i mean that also sort of brings us into what we're doing today obviously because we are uh a role-playing game show called gameplay Mm -hmm. radio of course where a lot of what we do is collaborative storytelling too do you have a lot of experience with that kind of with like tabletop role-playing games or anything like that? i really don't actually um i've done 
I've like started a couple of D&D games that fell, that like fell through that mm-hmm. I was like starting in. Yeah. I've done a few where it was like one-offs. We just wanted to like run something. Sure. Um, a couple times. And then we started playing Die, my roommates and I and some friends, which is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kieran Gillen who wrote for Marvel and yeah. he created The Wicked and the Divine, which is, is like it- one of my favorites. Yeah, Die, Die is a, it's a, it's a, comic book right yeah so it's a comic yeah. book that's basically like what if jumanji met D D? right yeah where so cool. these characters get so. pulled into this game mm-hmm. and then he released it's like currently still in beta testing but like anyone can play it basically mm-hmm. to test it out and provide feedback he released a like the actual role-playing game that he created to go along with it and yeah. you play it like you're the you play it like you're the comic characters you play it like you're a group of people who've come for whatever reason have come back together to play this role-playing game that you used to play as teenagers and now you're, mm-hmm. and then you get sucked in. So you have your persona who's the person playing and then your right. character and it's super yeah. complicated and cool. And we started a game like early in the pandemic, I guess like maybe May and played like okay. one, <laughs> one uh-huh. game. And then like the protests started and everyone was working and everyone was tired and everyone was out on the streets. And like just between all of the, um, obligations people had and then also just the emotional burden of everything that yeah. was going on we just sort of never got it back together again to get to get back into it but it was a really yeah. cool concept and we were sure. having a lot of fun with it to begin with so and really you and it's one where you build it, yeah. your characters as you go along it's not like D where you have to have like a lot of your character All built out to start time. Yeah. yeah you because you're not you build your persona like i'm anna i'm a lawyer and i you know this is what i do now or whatever but your persona learns about their character as you do. So mm. you don't have to know like anything about your like archetype before cool. you really start playing, which cool. is cool. So I yeah, like that. that sounds really fun. I always get excited about the opportunity to do mm-hmm. more of it. I just haven't, like it's never like worked out schedule wise yeah. and, and time wise. So I, I think everyone can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> especially this year uh, oh yeah well uh let's make sure that we have some time to get into it so yeah. i'm just going to do a quick on-air read here and then we will dive into a bit of game so let's okay. do that all right friends covid19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now and radio for brooklyn is no exception uh, with most of our revenue streams evaporated we need your help we realize you may be hurting too but if you can afford to give a small donation it would go a long way toward helping us to stay on air uh, there are three ways that you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. There, you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5. That's uh, RFB give the number 5, um, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you absolutely have to shop on Amazon, you have no choice in the matter. Uh, put their dollars to work for us uh, by going to amazon.com smile and registering Radio Free Brooklyn as a nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to Radio Free Brooklyn and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all of our listeners health and happiness as we weather the storm together. Uh, we really do. We thank you for uh, continuing to listen and participating in the community we've made for each other. And uh, if you decide you want to pay more attention to what we're doing with the station, 
you should subscribe to our monthly newsletter, which we're still doing. Um, and that you can sign up for at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Okay. With the time that remains, let's get into a <laughs> bit of game. All right. Okay, doke. Okay. So the game we're going to be playing today is called Spoken Magic. It was written by Dylan Grinder. Thanks, Dylan. Um, and the premise of Spoken Magic is that we are going to be playing um, a number of... We're going to be playing sorcerers uh, from a specific fantasy town. And we have these magical words of power um, that we have created based on our... Um, the way that our individual powers work. And what we're doing is we are venturing out into the world in order to kind of discover uh, problems that exist in other places and try to solve them with the magic that we have before going home. Um, that's kind of the basic premise. Um, we did a bit of setup earlier with, um, you know, we did a bit of setup earlier with choosing a name and choosing um, an arcanum which, you know, is like the type of magic that we use and we pick some words. Um, a lot of this game is, is played using a specific pre-made decks of cards. So there's like an Arcanum deck, a location deck, uh, a problem deck, and a word deck. Um, and we've kind of assembled those. Uh, but because it's also, uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're playing digitally, um, I set it up so that these cards are basically in a spreadsheet, so there will be some rolling going on in order to pick stuff um, to kind of randomize events like you would shuffle a deck anyway. Um, those are kind of the basics of it. Um, we're going to be essentially, uh, we'll start off with creating our home and defining that for us and each other, and then also then we'll go into a bit of... Um, saving the world yeah so anna do you want to introduce your character first sure um my character's name is elethea she her pronouns and i perform restorative magic so healing maybe some environmentalism who knows yeah. things that can bring stuff back exactly um and my character's name is wylia also she her um, and my words, my, uh, magic words are elemental, so, um, basically being the avatar up in the shit. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, that's, those are kind of the basics. Um, I, just looking over this, it looks like, uh, you can do more character development, um, on your own time when you're playing on your own, but we're gonna move right on in to creating a home for ourselves. Um... But first, we need to draw from the quote-unquote location deck. Uh, Anna, would you like to do the honors? Sure. One second. I got 15. Got a 15. Okay. That looks like... So, our home is in the jungle of the Panther Queen. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so, that's, that's where we live, and... Um, now we can take turns describing an aspect of this home and why we're leaving. Hey. Um, I'll start with an aspect of our home. I'm going to say the jungle of Pan Panther Queen. Um, we live in treetop homes, like high above the forest floor. 
uh, because the forest floor is rained by uh, dangerous, um, magical or non-magical, like dangerous, like carnivorous cats of different sizes. And uh, so the home is theirs before it's ours. I would say that um, the Panther Queen, our ruler, is someone who is fairly ruthless. She has taken her name from these carnivorous cats that live below us and has created this persona for herself that she's someone who can rise above and rule this hostile territory and this wild territory. So she has a great deal of power and that sometimes she abuses that power. And so it's a beautiful, luscious, incredible jungle to live in, but it's dangerous both on the forest floor and within society. So in terms of why I'm leaving, see the world, maybe get out from under the thumb of this kind of of uh, dictatorial power. Sure, cool. Um, I think maybe uh, I think maybe Wylia might be leaving because um, she wants to, by going on this journey, prove that other people besides the Panther Queen have power in their society and can affect change. Um, and then to return home eventually with that knowledge and those stories in order to uh, fight back. Love it. Start a revolution. Hell yeah. <laughs> always, always ready for a revolution, baby. All right. Um, do, do you have anything else or should we go on into the exploration part? I'm ready to go. Great. Let's do it. Um, next, we have to draw another location card. Uh, okay. Which, do you want to do the roll? Sure. Six. Ooh. This sounds cool. Um, we are headed to the Diamond River. Awesome. So we draw this card and we're supposed to describe a scene at the place we have journeyed based on the prompt on the card. So the card says a disagreement. All right. So we need to describe a disagreement. This is not the problem that occurs. This is just yeah. the scene that is taking place there. So the Diamond River is one of the first big landmark locations when we leave the jungle of the Panther Queen. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, it's glittering, it's full of incredible stones. If you can brave the waters that you'll find on on the riverbed. And it's also, because it's also new, because we've never left before, Elethea wants to stop and she wants to kind of pan for some diamonds. She wants to look for, you know, for some re- for some resources okay. because we don't really know how our, how our currency will, um, will translate elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think she's also just a little bit, like a little greedy, a little bit excited to, you know, <laughs> to, to have something to her name for the first time. Yeah, um, and I think maybe if it's a disagreement, um, Wylia is, thinks that it is against, thinks that, that panning for, for gems is, is pointless at this time, and that the goal should be, uh, moving, moving forward to places where, uh, good can be done, and really moving towards that path, and getting protection from those lands, as opposed to trying to just protect ourselves got it yeah so we got like more of a humanitarian and a 
and uh, every every person for themselves over here. I guess. <laughs> um, you know, but also I wouldn't say it's probably the smartest thing for Wylia because she's also probably a little wrong. She doesn't yeah. know the world either. She's just thinking her thing. For sure, they're both going off of some fairly sheltered concepts of how to survive in a world yeah. that is different from what they're accustomed to. Yeah, but I could also imagine that this is like a river where these kind of arguments tend to happen. You yeah. Know, I wouldn't be surprised if as we're walking along, um, arguing and arguing about this, uh, seeing other people kind of fighting over like different like gems in the water that they find too, you know, like, oh no, I saw that first. That yeah, absolutely. It seems like the kind of place that would invoke conflict. Yeah. Just by right? its very nature. For sure. If it's full of precious stones and resources of some kind. Right, exactly. Um, all right, should we draw a problem? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. 21. 21, okay. Uh, specifically, the card is a bargain's mystical terms. Interesting. This is the issue at hand. Uh, we need to discuss who the problem affects and why. Explain why the problem must be solved with magic. There wouldn't be a river like this out in the middle of nowhere with nothing looking out for it, nothing watching over it. Mm. There's probably a guardian spirit or creatures of some kind. There's a reason that like it hasn't just been stripped bare and there's not just people constantly sure. you know, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And with most of these creatures or these guardians... You have, to, you have to answer a riddle. You have to make some kind of bargain to get what you want, to, whether it's to pass and keep going forward or to draw from the resources available. Mm -hmm. And I think that we just can't move forward if we don't, if we don't solve this. Yeah, I think, in some I way. think, yeah, maybe it's like, right. So like the bargain is either you pass or you get gems. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason it can only be solved with magic is because um, the creatures or the, the the magical spirits that protects the river will uh, like have the capability to I don't know turn the turn the river into gems. Should you try to pass through it, should you try to wade through, so immediately becomes just this kind of impassable like literally diamond river mm. and you're like stuck in it um so it's this kind of magical situation where you have, kind of have to get get past these beings absolutely cool so how do we solve this with magic <laughs> um we each have a number of spells um or a number of words that we assigned spells before we started this game so uh and we Typically, the game says that no player can commit more than one word to a spell, but because there are only two of us, raising that up to two per person, um, the spells can either help or hinder the spell in some way. Um, and then uh, when you've completed the spell, we'll do some dice rolling. But how about we, let's make this word this spell okay. first. Okay. Okay. Um, I could offer uh, Hecato, Hecato, which um, I've chosen to mean tree growth. I could try to grow 
a bridge across. Okay. Like to grow a bridge, a bridge across. Maybe. Awesome. I could offer up Dree, which is designed to draw out toxins, but I'm going to take that as a very like metaphorical sense where it's the ill will of the spirits that are in play. Where if you if you take Dree on more of a spiritual level and a metaphorical level, you are um, drawing out whatever whatever um, malice and and suspicion of outsiders and anything that kind of like poisons their mentality against you mm. um, and leave healed good humor in its place. So I like that. So we create a way across and take out the, the spirit's kind of bitterness towards the people crossing it. Right, just in case they're like, not that, and you know, send some diamond your way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, that seems like it would solve a problem. Yeah. Okay. So, since, I guess, since you suggested the last word, um, why don't you recite the word and describe the magic in full? Okay. And then, I would say both words are helpful. Mm -hmm. So, then you should roll two six-sided die. So, 2d6. Okay. Um, And it's because it's one six-sided die, one d6 for each helping word. Okay. So, Alethea comes to the bank of the river, and she draws herself up, and she calls out Dree. And as she does it, just this wave of anger and suspicion and bitterness that has built up over the years kind of, like, hits them. It's very oppressive. You can just, like, feel it rising out of the the river where the spirits are residing, but as that happens, it rolls over them and it leaves this kind of feeling of peace in its place. And if, and once they've endured that, that wave of, of negativity, it kind of dispels and it dissipates and they feel they have a lot more, um, they have a lot better chances yeah. with whatever comes their way. Yeah. Did you want to do Hikato too? Because I think you recite the full Oh, sure. The yeah. Full thing. Yeah. The full so Dri Hikato. And then yeah. as, as that is happening, she, the the trees start, the ground starts to roil and the trees start to grow up out of the ground and they, they kind of like weave themselves over the river to form a bridge that can, that they can then pass over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Why don't you roll 2d6? All right. And let's hope that one of them gets a five or higher. I got two sixes. I got a 12. Hell, we are yes. so successful. We're gonna be so super cocky successful. going forward. <laughs> yeah. So that is that is a super success. Uh, do you want to add any embellishments for how how well this goes? Or, yeah. So yeah. so not only are we left with this sense of peace, but and we make it across to the other side of the river. But as we do, the rushing water is kind of calm and still, and we can see all of the the precious gems at the bottom. And the spirits come forward and they, they offer up the chance to take, to fill our pockets with whatever we need. So not only, so it, it not only do we get across the river, but it settles yeah. our own dispute where okay. we can easily take some resources for ourselves and then move forward to help other people. So it's just kind of like starting the journey off on a, on a positive note all around. Fantastic. I love it. Okay. Uh, awesome. Okay. So, uh, 
the words, these words committed to the spell are lost, so we can't okay. use them again. All right. And uh, because you got to do the scribing, you get to hold on to uh, that location card. Uh, so you get to hold on to the Diamond River, um, as, and you'll get to uh, do some stuff with that later on. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's keep going. Let's go to the next place. All right. Um, so roll, roll again. I have nine. See what we got here. So we have now approached a fracture. Um, and based on the prompt here, we should create a scene at this fracture uh, about forbidden magic. Ooh. So we're passing by what looks like this massive kind of like what looks like it must have been an underground mountain that kind of pushed itself looks kind of like a stone bubble that kind of like grew out of the ground like pushed itself up but there's this crack in it on the inside you can't see anything but you see like you hear from it like these like whispers and um temptations about this question of um like power like there seems to be something that is living inside of there that is like asking for attention and um as we pass by um i would say that we'd probably see that there has been some sort of like there is a group kind of like a cult community that's kind of set up around the stone and they are sitting there kind of you know, taking their time meditating to these whispered powers. And uh, I would say they don't take, um, let's see. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of what they see here. I guess it doesn't have to be a disagreement. It just has to be that. So that's kind of like the thing that, I, that we see as we're walking up are these people meditating. And as we approach, they kind of look towards us like with a quick snap of their heads. Mm, yeah. There's definitely like a sense of like foreboding mm -hmm. coming from this. Whereas the Diamond River was enticing, but potentially had something, you know, just like a protector under the surface. This feels yeah. like you would have to be very foolhardy to, or very power hungry to want to provoke whatever is happening here. Yeah. Because there's signs of, of like ritual sacrifice and there's signs of all of these things that just are looked down upon in most um yeah in most like genteel society and and otherwise would not be something that would be practiced societally acceptable yeah i hear that that's creepy time for a trouble card yeah <laughs> yeah okay great one one um a voice I mean, I mean, talk about on on brand for what we just described. Um, yeah, a voice thought long gone. Oh, and it says there's a little extra thing here saying the current player may reuse a word. So I don't know who the current player is. I think but... maybe you, because I got the diamond mine. Sure. Yeah. So I can reuse that one word. I got a. Um. <laughs> All right. What is the problem with a voice thought long gone? 
there have been some legends. They've made their way to every corner of this realm. Hmm. So we would have heard of we would have heard of this in in the jungle of the Panther Queen, but it was thought to be myth, legend, long gone, long dead, of a great a great um, like minor deity, a, a creature, like an old old creature that lurks beneath the surface and comes up and causes chaos now and again. Ooh, chaos when it's woken. Yeah, and. The cult has the power to either awaken it and try and control it or to keep it satiated with with um, sacrifices and with other forms of forbidden magic. Mm. Kind of keep it in that chasm, in that, in that fracture. And as we're walking past, we hear this voice like rising out of, of, the, of the fissure and it just kind of stops us in our tracks because it's incredibly powerful and incredibly terrifying. (laughs) For real. Uh, Yeah, I think that that sounds, yeah, that sounds exactly like a problem, especially as we're looking at these people who are kind of surrounding it and maybe don't understand exactly what they're praying to. Um, And with the knowledge that we have of this um, deity, we kind of understand that if these people continue to pray to this deity, there will be nothing left of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like something that definitely needs to be solved with magic. Uh, <laughs> do you want to offer one first? Sure. I can offer drawer, which I have for like lifting spirits and, and bringing people out of like a, a negative emotional mm-hmm. funk of some kind. And the hope that when uttering drawer, it will it will break the deity's hold over these people, however temporarily, that we need to solve whatever problem we have. Cool. Okay. Help them um, see the light. I like that. And I can I can offer uh, Andune, uh, which is uh, a spell that makes kind of like the hills literally roll. And since this is kind of like something that is kind of connected to like the scenery and the ground around it, I could try to make a hill, like it could roll over the whole fissure, over the stone thing and kind of try to seal it up for some time. Perfect. Cool. Um, Two prompt so attack. Then in total, that would be uh, Andune Juror. Mm-hmm. And um, its magic would be a literal like a, a like a healing land wave that kind of kind of as it rolls through kind of restores the people and the things that are under that are on top of it perfect um, okay let's roll some dice i actually have 2d6 right here so we'll perfect get go for it a bit of noise here let's see uh that's a one fuck i got <laughs> double one no we were uh, too cocky no, last too time. Too cocky. We got double sixes. Now we got double ones. That's not good. Damn. Hubris. I know. Okay. Uh, well, it says if none of the dice roll a five or higher, um, the spell is weak and only partially effective. Um, uh, the current player describes how the problem is solved, but only partially or temporarily. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's see. The people are relieved of their kind of 
draw to this place. Um, and based on the fact that, you know, they're this giant rolling hill, they're kind of scared off and they kind of run away. Um, but the hill itself, as it tries to cover this uh, monstrous thing, um, it just doesn't... It's not quite strong enough. Like, it kind of, like, it grows over, so it doesn't look like a stone bubble anymore. It looks like it's part of the hill. But as the as the grass of the hill kind of grows into the fissure, it just kind of, it's not strong enough for, to, like, cover what's in there. And it just kind of, like, sizzles away a little bit inside. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, that it's, like... It's put a patch, maybe, on the problem in terms of people finding it, but um, it's still there. Yeah. Well, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> we better get away while it's like, <laughs> right. while well, it's temporarily sealed, because who knows how long that'll hold. Exactly. I guess we should still cross off those spells. All right. Um, now, I want to do. I want to do one more game. One more rounds. Okay. Um, but I'm a little worried that we are running low on time, so we might just have to. What well, we we can try to like. I might suggest that we. Hmm. Fuck it. Let's try it. Okay. Yeah. We'll, let's do we'll, one we'll more, try, and then we'll, try we'll to dive on through. Yeah. Run we'll, home. We'll run on. Run on home. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why don't you roll that dice for a location? Seventeen. Seventeen. We have ourselves a marsh of the wizards. Ooh. Okay, the scene we have to describe is says it's what remains. Ooh. So, the Marsh of the Wizards, tying it back to that fracture, long ago, legend says that a group of sorcerers imprisoned whatever creature it was that is living under that hill. Mm -hmm. And, but during that war, during that fight, they were all wiped out and because this creature seems to have some kind of earth power, it like sunk the land and so now you have this bog that's kind of just, I, I feel like people still go there to train, like it's not abandoned, but it's a very difficult place to be. It's kind of a place of, of, um, of trials and a place where you, like put, you put yourself to the test mm-hmm. and it's full of magic just from this old war, just like wild, twisted magic that still exists there. Yeah, I totally hear that. And I think that also, um, it's a dangerous place to wander because like kind of the um, the magical energy of the wizards is still there and it creates these kind of weird hallucina- hallucinatory uh, like creatures and like almost humans, but not quite humans that you kind of have to see and, ne- and negotiate around while you're traveling right. through the area. Yeah. Um, Great, cool, we did it, let's find a problem. All right. D30. 15. 15. We have ourselves some giants. Oh God. (laughs) A game between giants, it says, to be specific. Ooh. So that's the problem. I'm going to, let's see, I'm gonna say, in the midst of all of this, there are a number of younger giants who have um, taken it upon themselves to dare each other to try to live in um, this kind of dangerous wizard's marsh, uh, because everyone, like people around here, know that it's dangerous. Uh, but these giants um, 
are young and easily and easily scared, uh, but also are like trying to go through these stairs. So it's both dangerous to us if they are scared by something and squash us in the process of running, and also dangerous to them from being in this wooded area. But they're yeah. all trying to stick around. Maybe. Yeah. Oh no, I'm trying to think what words I can use. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go all in with Quadrionus, which is my big one. Which I Hell said yeah. knits damaged matter back together. So I think that we can create a path through this marsh if we can use that to kind of like recreate some of what the land used to be. Okay, sure. Kind of guide them out. Yeah, like create yeah. a path, yeah, safe yeah. area, so that I we like can. That. We, maybe we we saw the giants and we were like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> but now we need to get home. Oh, I see. So we're trying to, to get out. Um, okay. And just, just for the heck of it, if we're trying to get away from the giants, yeah. I'm going to try to use scintilla, which um, brings snow to life okay. in order to kind of uh, create these kind of, um, kind of snowy creatures and try to make them super, super creepy to kind of scare the giants in a direction that's not towards us. Okay. Cool. Um, so yeah, do you want to say the words in their entirety and then make the roll? Sure. Quadriona scintilla. So as this happens, the land kind of moves, a path appears, it slides together, we have boulders rising out of the marsh, we have kind of a road, an old, long-forgotten road recreating itself as a path through the marsh um, so that we can take whatever we have and and what we've learned on this particular expedition back to the jungle of the Panther Queen. But that noise creates, oh, that, that, that action creates a lot of noise and the giants notice, but we've prepared for this with scintilla. Mm-hmm. And so a blizzard comes out of nowhere and whips itself into a frenzy. And because we're on the road and we can see the road, we have a path forward and we can leave the danger behind. Fantastic. Want to roll those dice? Sure. This is 2d6 again? 2d6. All right. I got a five and a one. Well, the five is successful, so it's successful. Yeah. Yeah. So is one of the words successful or are they both successful? It's one of, it just has to be one of them. Oh, perfect. Then yeah, we, we make it out of the marsh. We, we hightail it out of there. Great. Maybe the maybe we weren't quite our first expedition. We weren't quite ready for the Marsh of Wizards. Yeah, we were like, uh, nope, let's go home. Yeah, yeah. We, we've 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 started getting our knowledge. We've started building up our reserves. We've got some diamonds right. and stuff in our pockets. We can start right, like yeah. laying the seeds for for revolution. But maybe we're not ready to come back with an invading army yet. Yeah, you know, we'll figure <laughs> it out. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next section uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have left. Um, so, generally when you're playing this game, you play until there are no more words that can be used to guess a spell, but, um, we don't have the time for that, so Mm -hmm. essentially what we're going to do is we're all going to, um, well, so each player takes an additional turn to share what they learned about magic over the course of the journey, and then, um, going around, we will, uh, play our location cards and describe what we see on the path home. Okay. I think that Elethea went into this with this grand idea that I have magic, therefore I can mm-hmm. make it out in the world and I can do anything. And 
throughout the course of this journey, she learned the limitations. She learned that she can create incredible things. She was able to cross the Diamond River with teamwork um, and with these these words of power, but also that there are things out in the world that are bigger than her and that she may not yet be prepared to handle just because she has magic. And so I think she's learned that she needs to go back and study a little more and take her time with it and not be so hasty to rush into things. Cool. Um, I think Wylia learns that um, it's not always so simple as good versus evil in the world um, and that magic is Nearly, it's more of a tool than it is a solution. Um, and she, I think that's kind of, I think that's basically what she's learned about magic over the course of the journey that um, it won't solve everything, and showing might is not the only thing that really needs to be done. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's go through the location cards. Um, what do we see in the Wizard's March on our way home? <laughs> I think once we get out of the, um, once we get out of that snowstorm that we've created, once we get away from the, the giants, mm-hmm. we, we see like this incredibly twisted, beautiful, bizarre landscape. And we see these kind of floating lights and, and we see how magic has, has created something that's incredible and powerful, but also something that has gotten out of control. And mm-hmm. so, oh my God. <laughs> um, and and so as we're leaving and as the, the land is kind of drying up and we're coming back to the edge of the marsh, we're mm-hmm. taking this knowledge that this incredible place exists, but that it is much more complicated and, and that, you know, there, there's floating lights everywhere and, and it's easy to get lost in your own power and in yeah. your pursuit for power. So Very cool. Very cool. Um, I'm going to say that in the fracture, um, as we're passing by, we see that... Um, a lot of the grass has turned the color of stone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look, it doesn't look like it's actually holding that well at all. We got to book it out of there before it realizes that we were the ones who cast that. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a level of like searching awareness over it and there's just kind of like a, oh shit, we should not stay here. Yeah. At the Diamond River, we do still have this, you know, very positive relationship with the spirits. They feel like we've demonstrated ourselves in a way that was diplomatic and that was um, productive and building something rather than than creating dissent and rather than um, attacking them. So we have a lot of goodwill. The river is clear. We're able to cross it. Our bridge is still there. Um, and because we haven't been gone for that long. And they're also, they also give us another chance to like stop and, and fill, fill our pockets from this river so that we can be set up for whatever we, we come home to in the jungle of the Panther Queen and return as like, no one needs to know that we didn't get, make it that far. We have, we have diamonds, we have wealth, we're doing all right. We're setting ourselves up for something. Yeah, they don't need to know, it's fine. Cool. We're okay. conquering heroes, it only took us a day. Yeah, it only took one journey. It was totally fine. Fine. No big. <laughs> Panther Queen, here we come. Um, all right. The very end of this game uh, suggests that uh, when you arrive at home, sit in silence. Maintaining the silence, every player writes a short phrase uh, on their about their character that starts with, my words are blank, to indicate how their words have changed through the sharing. And at that point, the game is over. 
Um, so, uh, in the spirit of uh, the fact that uh, we're definitely close to the end of the hour, mm-hmm. um, but also that I want to respect this, let's do a 10 second silence and then we'll share what our words are and that'll be the end of the game. All so right. Let's start that, those 10 seconds. All right. I would say that my words are creative. They don't just restore what was already there. They create something new. Okay. Um, And I would say uh, my words are... um, My words are powerful. Uh, You know, they are um, a tool, of course, but they are words that have the capability to affect great change on the environment around me through sharing them. Cool. Sweet. The game is over. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We yeah. took a short little jaunt and we came back in one piece. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes you just have to do it uh, piecemeal in order to, to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like that? How was that? That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. I like that it had um, structure to it, but it kind of allowed you to fill in your own meanings. It's a little bit like reading tarot cards, actually, just in the mm. sense of like you have the meaning in front of you and you know like what the words say, but then you have to fill in the rest of the interpretation. Yeah, you have to fill it in with yourself. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's a that's an interesting insight. Um, and it's funny because I definitely yeah. chose this one more for how it felt it kind of like tied into Circle of Circle of Magic and Circle of yeah. Friendship. Because yeah. it felt like very in line with what they do. Um, yeah. But it ties into other stuff in my life as well. So That's cool. Well, I mean, when, when the stories you love all blend together, then you are made up of one big story. So exactly. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again so, so much for being a guest on Gameplay Radio. Um, you want to name the places so that they can find you, search for you on the internet, all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, best place to find me is on Instagram. I am at Anna Lionhearted. Um, I post tarot readings. I post pictures of my pets. I post pictures of the park. A lot less posting going on now that I'm in quarantine and everything's just kind of like blending into one long day. Mm-hmm, right. But um, that's the best place. That's where I post most um, most content. My stories are usually reposting some social justice information that I mm-hmm. find important as well. And then Circle of Friendship podcast is on anywhere that you find podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. And we are a part of the Certain Point of View Network. So we're at CertainPOV.com. And we also have Discord. So we do some really cool chats there where we talk about our particular podcast. There's Everyone has a channel. So you, if you like other stuff, there's other cool podcasts there too. But we've been doing fan casting of our favorite characters um, throughout the books every Friday. We share pictures of our pets. We share selfies. We talk about Tamara Pierce. It's a good time. Wonderful. So uh, I hope our listeners all go check them out. Check Anna out there and the whole certain POV team. Uh, And in the meantime, uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoons here on Radio Free Brooklyn. um, And we'll talk to you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye.